and we're back with another episode of the MDM Podcast. I'm Joe Morales, joined with my co-host, Trevor Markowski. Trevor, hope you're doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. How, how are you doing? I'm good, Trevor. We're just a couple of days away now from sports. Uh, it seems so far, but it's so close. And we have exhibition games starting on Saturday with the Yankees and the Mets. We have uh, NBA scrimmage games coming up next Wednesday. The NHL announces days on August 1st. So, Trevor, we're so close yet so far. Yeah, I just take you gotta take it in stages, day by day. You just gotta get through each day. Yeah, That's you. The way you, I think. You can say that again because one, one, one thing goes wrong, one mishap, and the whole thing shuts down. Especially in a sport like baseball, where we'll start in a sport like baseball, where it's not confined, where you're in a, where you're not in a bubble. Positives are gonna happen. Positive cases are gonna happen. You're gonna have players um, get the virus, and hopefully, and most likely, they will recover because they're young, healthy adults. But in the worst scenario, in the worst case scenario, where God forbid one of these players dies, it's gonna be trouble coming back. It's gonna be really hard to get the, the especially the teammates of the players in the whole league on board to finish out the season. So you hope you don't see anyone get seriously sick here. But um, selfishly, we think about the sports coming back, and baseball is going to be first, and uh, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it either. Just the high-risk players. you got to work out. Like Didi Gregorius, for example, he has a chronic uh, kidney. Yeah, and, so and, and you got to take it uh, precautiously. Really, really he, he, he's going to play through that high-risk injury. Good for him. If he, he, he said he trusts Major League Baseball's protocols and all that. And he feels safe playing. So, you know what? Good for him. And it's up to the players. Yeah. If they don't feel safe, they don't have to play. I agree. You have some people like him and Clint Frazier who are going to be wearing the mask while they're playing. Right. I want to see how that affects some players. You're going to see players wearing masks the, uh, all three hours and all nine innings. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if it if it takes away from the way they're seeing pitches or if something, uh, if something happens in the field and they drop a fly ball or a ground ball. going to be interesting. Yeah. I want to see how it goes. I, I, the, only, the only way you could see have a small sample sizes in the early games in the regular season in April in a normal year, they do wear those coverings that warm up their face. So you can go by that as a small sample size. You could, but it's also going to be in the middle of the middle of July and places where it gets hot, like for the Yankees cases, you're going to go down to Atlanta. You're going to go down to Washington where it gets hot in the summertime. Uh, you're going to have guys like Clint Frazier wearing masks and it's going to be hot under there. Yeah, it is, and even 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 the U.S. themselves is going to be hot. It's still going to be in the eighties and nineties, right? So this is episode number two of the New York based show, and uh, this is where we cover the local teams, and we don't want to shy away from the roots of uh, why the show exists, and that's because of the many local teams. And we'll start with the New York Yankees. Who just minutes ago we found out that DJ LeMahieu has made a full recovery and is on track to join the Yankees again this week. And Trevor, the Yankees are getting back their starting second base and leadoff hitter uh, in DJ LeMahieu. And they are. The one question I have is, is he going to be ready for opening day? I think that's a bit of a stretch. I would like to see him play in the first exhibition game on Saturday. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would think that would be a target date for him to return would be Saturday. Right. I think he gets back to workouts, like I said, by the end of the week. I don't know if he plays in those first games, but if I think if we see DJ LeMahieu in Sunday or Monday's game against the Mets or Phillies, respectively, that's a good sign. If he's already, if he's ready to go, if he's kept in shape, and if he's ready to go in an exhibition game, that's a great sign. 
And thankfully, he's been asymptomatic. So maybe he's been able to keep in shape here. A lot of guys, when they get the flu or get sick, they start they, they drop a couple pounds. They feel weak. But uh, I don't know how it, I, I, I can't tell you how it feels to be asymptomatic with, with COVID. But hopefully, he was able to keep in shape and somehow stay ready for the upcoming season. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta wait until you you register two negative tests, and I didn't think you have any uh, symptoms, so I don't know how he did it. I don't know how you do it through quarantine, so only he would tell us that. Right, it's 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 the mystery of being asymptomatic, and thankfully, me and you have not have uh, have uh, have to felt that way. But um, but thankfully we get Lemayhew back. We get our leadoff hitter, and we don't have to watch Tyler Wade play second base in opening day. Although I heard Urshela was testing out at second base. Did you see that? I I did hear about that, and that was really interesting to me. So uh, just maybe you know, just testing it out, just an emergency, I would think. Right. If he's not ready for opening day, and what what you do there is you have Andahar play third base, and finally have a roster spot for Andahar, who we talked about yeah, last Thursday. I don't see where he's getting at bats, Miguel Andar, unless he's playing over Clint Frazier, Mike Talkman. And one of the, this is what we have to talk about, Trevor. And we're going to touch on it, of course, in our prediction show, which comes up uh, next week. Make sure you listen to those. If a guy gets hot or if a guy gets cold, you can't bench them for a week because a week is what? A tenth of your season? I don't know the math off the top of my head. But you can't bench guys. You just have to go with the hot hand. And that's not in the nature of baseball managers um, in this current uh, day uh, day of baseball, where it's play your regulars and it's not hot and cold. A lot of the managers say don't believe in hot and cold. And this year you have to go off hot and cold. You, you do. And, you know, I think it depends on the post. You know, Aaron Judge is obviously cold for a week. You're not going to bench him out of the lineup. Of course. Maybe give him a one-day rest. It really depends on the player and what he's done in the past. I think it's going to really depend on. Right, and and I still have trouble finding where Miguel Andahar is going to get at-bats in this deep lineup. I don't think he's going to – he can't DH unless you want to play Stanton in left field. Uh, I don't like him in the outfield, although he's going to keep um, – he's going to keep trying in the outfield. Where do you see Andahar? I don't, I don't find – I can't find a spot for him. I really can't find a spot. You could put <laughs> platoon at third base that I thought of, or Shellen and Duhar every day, every two days. That would That would be my first – I would try that first, right? And it's it, you're a, right now we're banking on Gio Urshela having uh, close to the same year he had last year. Where let's be realistic, Trevor, that's probably not going to happen. As as much as I hate to say it, I think last year was a fluke for Gio Urshela. I don't think I'm in a minority there, and I don't want to say because I want him to do really really well as a New York Yankee. But I'm not banking on Gio Urshela to hit what 310 this year with um tons of extra base hits. I just don't think it's going to happen. You're ba- no, you're banking on his defense. Right, but it, 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 big moments. Right, but I think you're. I mean, obviously, you're gonna have Andahar play over Urshela if Urshela is hitting two twenty two weeks into the season. You're not gonna keep him in there because of his because of his glove. No, I would give this as a scenario. Let's say Urshela hits two fifty, average hitter, and Andahar hits two eighty. What I would do is I would let Andahar start most of the nights. Go. Seven or eight innings, and if there's a big moment, you're up by a run in the ninth inning. I bring a shell in at third and let him play defense to just make sure to guard against any runs. That's what I would do. I like that idea, and let me tell you why. Because in the beginning of the season, for the first two weeks, you're going to have 30 players on your roster. After that, for the next two weeks, you're going to have 28 players on your roster. So Aaron Boone and Luis Rojas use this as an advantage to get defensive substitutions late in games, right? You can have, you can have Urshela come in late in the game, like you said, and have Andahar start with the bat. 
And if you're up by one or two runs late in the game, you bring in Urshela to play defense. I love that idea, Trevor. I, uh, yeah, and that, that's the way you do You know, you have the more, more players t- take it to your advantage. Right, and they, I want to see how they use the 30-man roster to their advantage. You're going to have Tyler Wade start extra innings on second base. That's going to be a given, Trevor, uh, especially if it's – I mean, it's going to be hard if it's Judge or Stanton or Sanchez. It's going to be hard to take them out of the game. And uh, you know what? You kind of turned me here, Trevor. There's a lot of strategy involved in the second base thing now. I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it, but I think you, you turned me. Wait, wait is a wait is a good tool, and I'll give and I'll give one more advantage to Higashioka, Wade, just based on this and phrase a little bit too. They've in the minor leagues, they've seen this before. That's a little bit of advantage. They know how to work the system with this. That's a great That's point. That's a great point. Because because they, they've seen it and they've been there for a couple months to know how you win the games with a man on second or get the run across. Right, it's a great point. Um, so that's on LeMahieu. Yeah, if you have anything else on LeMahieu, we can do that. But I want to get into um, Aroldis Chapman real quick, who tested positive for COVID, uh, has mild symptoms, of course, best wishes to him. Boone is going to be out for quite some time, so he's not going to be here, presumably for the rest of July, Trevor. And the conversation has to be had, who's going to be called in to get the final three outs? I like Zach Britton. I think you do too, but I'll let you explain. But I like Zach Britton because he's been a closer. He's been a closer in the AL East when the AL East is very competitive. So uh, with the Roldis Chapman being out for the first couple weeks, Zach Britton's my closer. I agree. You know, he had that incredible season a couple seasons ago with all those saves and all that. Last year, he returned very close to that form. I would give Britton a closing job uh, definitely if Chapman's unavailable. Right, I like to I like to look back to the 2016 season where Britton pitched to an, an ERA of uh, .54 and closed out 47 games. You know, in, in, he finished fourth in Cy Young voting in 2016 as a relief pitcher. So yeah, yeah to me, Britton's the natural fit to be the closer. And and Britton has closed with the Yankees last year when Chapman needed a rest, and he did do pretty fine. Right when he came in, I think Britton as a Relief pitcher, and I'm sorry if I just cut you off. I think Britain as a relief pitcher is very underrated. When he's not finishing games in the ninth inning, no one's really looking at him. And, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think I cut you off. Now, the one thing I would say is obviously there's no big chance this year. Who was your eighth inning guy now? Adovino. It could be Adovino. Would... This is a great, conversation. This is a great uh, question because you can use Adovino, Chad Green, Tommy Canley, the list goes on and on of guys you can trust in these high leverage situations. Yeah, I, I would go out of being away Canley seven. That's the way I would do it. Yeah, so you don't you you don't like Chad Green late in the game. I like Chad Green. I like Chad Green more as an opener. Actually, I think he's done a good job with that. Right, and we're we'll talk about this more on our um, Yankees season preview show that comes out Monday. How the Yankees are going to use an opener, and this goes into our next subject because James Paxton is going to be your number two starter behind Cole. And if Masahiro Tanaka is not ready, you could either see the Yankees go to Jonathan Luizaga or Mike King or use an opener. And I'm not a fan of using an opener in a, in, in a short season or even early in the season like this because you're going to be banking on your bullpen to get 15 outs uh, in the first couple weeks of the season, which is late July now. So five or six days into the season, no, I'm not a fan of using an opener. I'm, I'm not as against it as you. I'm still not a fan of it. The one thing I would touch on Loisinger is he pitched really well today. He did. Maybe I should squad game. I think he, this, this kid has some talent. I've been a big fan of him. Right. I think if you give him um, if you if you give him uh the the reps he needs in in the rotation, I think he could be a really uh productive starter. Uh, in the bottom of the rotation, yeah, I love Loisinger down there. 
And you you I, love him. I, I do too. I think I think he has really uh potential. Now the one thing I would say is if you want to give Tanaka time so he doesn't miss a start, instead of putting him as a two or three starter, do you slot him in at five? So you can give him more time to start. Right. And all right. So here they talked about this on the inner squad game show. Let's look at the Yankee schedule real quick, Trevor. If you don't have it in front of you, I'll read it to you. The twenty third at Washington. That's going to be Garrett Cole. You have an off day. The twenty fifth, you'll go with James Paxton, who was named the number two starter. The twenty fourth, you'll go. It would be Tanaka spot. Probably Hap now, right? The twenty, so. the twenty seventh, you'll go Montgomery. And now you're back on the twenty eighth. Uh, that's normal rest for Garrett Cole. You could go to Cole here and skip over. Um, you no, know, you can go to Cole here, and then the next day, which is home against Philadelphia, use the opener because you're gonna have Paxton on short rest. But the day before, you'd have Cole on a uh, regular rest. I'm sorry if that confused you, but um, the way the schedule is set up earlier in the season, you could have Garrett Cole pitch twice, and then and then go to an opener. Yeah, I, I I think that's a good idea. And, you know, Tanaka at, mo- at worst would miss one start then if that's the way we play out and everything would happen. Yeah, and then, the he, and then he'd sign to the back of the rotation on, like, the, the, the 10th or the or the 11th day of the season. Yeah, you know, everything would happen with the head. That would not be as that would not be bad at all. Just Absolutely not. And then with a concussion, you want to take it slow. You don't want to rush anything. But uh, 10 games into the season, I, 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 sign me up right now. I'll take that. I, I, me too. Uh, Garrett Cole struck out nine over five and two thirds in a simulated game. He threw, he's already up at 80 pitches and it was great to see Cole dominate his own team. His fastball looked great in particular, which, uh, Boone said himself looked great and rose in the zone. It's great to see Cole getting up to 80 pitches just two weeks into this, uh, this summer camp. Uh, it's thanks to him working out and keeping in shape over the break, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, you know, he could do he could do a hundred on opening night. I don't think they'll push him, but he certainly could do eighty or ninety pitches. I don't think that's out of the. I don't think that's a wild uh, assumption. It's done, and it's against a good Nationals team. So ninety pitches is probably around five or six innings, uh, and then you you hand over the good bullpen. And I'll take six innings from Garrett Cole on in his first start in a short season. I'll sign again. I'll sign right here. Yeah, like any team that faces Cole, you know, it's tough. But don't fall asleep in the Nationals. They may. Sneaky good lineup. I agree. And uh, teams with good pitching, Trevor, will beat up on teams early in the year because the pitchers were able to keep in shape and keep their routines. The hitters' timing's still off, but I think the pitchers can jump into this uh, into the short season and, and be ready. I think they can go 80 or 90 pitchers just like Garrett Cole did in the simulator game. I agree. All right. That's um. Anything else you want to end on the Yankees? No, I think that's, I think that's it. Yankee preview show comes out Monday the twenty the twentieth Monday the twentieth so um keep your eye on that let's go over the New York Mets and uh the, the story is Jacob Degrom who left the inner squad game a couple nights ago with back tightness remember Trevor he had the same injury in twenty eighteen forcing Noah Syndergaard to start opening day he went for an MRI today uh, nothing came back too serious he dodged a big bullet there so uh, I'll let you go but uh, again Garrett Cole MRI nothing serious go ahead Trevor. Um, yeah, nothing serious. They're going to miss this start in 2018. So I think they're going to take it easy with them. Th- the one thing I would say about the Mets is, just as a team in general, would it be a failure if they don't make the playoffs this year? The Mets may. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of expectations for them. I think they need to make the playoffs. I mean, especially the short season. This roster is not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. But it seems like for some reason they always underperform for some reason. 
Right. Well, for the Mets case, you know, it, it's always the same old, same old. You get off to the really hot start, which I think is a huge advantage in a 60-game season, and then they start to cool off. But the Mets can't cool off here. You need to be really, really good, especially in the NL East. You need to be really, really good for 60 games to get a playoff spot. And it's not out of the realm of possibility to have two wildcard teams from this division. I, I, I agree. And, you know, just as an example, last year, the Mariners started off 13-3, and three and they wound up with 95 losses right around there. So just to show you how much they cooled off. Right, I, I, I'd want to see where the where the Mariners were sixty games into that season, but yeah, I, yeah, I think they started twelve and two. Thirteen and three might have happened as well. I don't know off the top of my head, but twelve and two. I do remember the Mariners getting off to that really hot start, and uh, you know, and they finished the way they did. They were awful. Yeah, and the the one thing I would say is for the Mets is they have they have a pretty good lineup. Cespedes is going to be a big question mark. You don't know how he's going to be. Uh, Alonso, you know, is going to be good. The question is going to be in that bullpen, which it seems if you get Diaz on track, Batantis is could be good if he recovers from that injury well. Uh, that doesn't seem like a bad – the bullpen seems like it got a little bit better. Right. The bullpen, which I should mention, Brad Brock and Jared Hughes going on the IL. They, they haven't even reported the camp, so it's safe to assume they have COVID. But the bullpen, with the, with the exception of Seth Lugo and a, a couple of other guys, are a bunch of ifs. It's Dellen Batanzas if he can get back to where he was uh, earlier in his career after his, if there's injury. It's if Edwin Diaz gets back on track. Now, the Mets, if they're, they're a bunch of ifs. I don't know if I bet on them. But ba- one second back to the Grom. I want to ask you, because without the Grom starting opening day, Stroman's the opening day starter, right? Yeah. Because you don't have Syndergaard. Yeah, Stroman uh, is the opening day starter. If the Grom's not healthy, now he might—I doubt he gets back. But if if he's not back, it's, it's got to be Stroman. And then normally you'd say Syndergaard, but no Syndergaard this year. You're not going to start with the Grom. So your one, two, your one, two, three, four is going to be Stroman, Mats, Porcello, and Waka. And then your fifth is probably Walter Lockett. The rotation death being tested right away. Yeah, and now you talked to the Mets about a lot of ifs. Mm-hmm. Uh, now what do you think, Fanduel? Sportsbook and play some Meadowlands. What do you think the Mets odds are to win the World Series? Uh, could you give me the worst team? The worst odds right now? Worst odds right now. That would be, there's a couple teams. I think it's like the Giants, Orioles, and Rangers, and Rangers, and all that, like a thousand to one. Thousand to one. So if that's a uh, thousand to one for those teams. Yeah, I'm just pulling up the odds right now here. Something happened. Mm. I would say 30 to 1. 30 to, they're 22 to 1. Oh, I was close. Okay. And what and what do you think the Yankees are? 3 to 1. The Yankees are 4 4 to 1. Oh, oh so close. Yeah, so is that in 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 where where are they with other teams? Who else is around them? Well, let's see who the Mets, the Mets are around. Yeah. Well, the Nationals are just behind them at eighteen to one. Okay. Rays are seventeen to one, and just behind them are the Indians at twenty three to one, and then we have the Reds, Athletics, and Phillies at twenty five to one. Nice. See, I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I should say that. I was gonna say I think I like the Reds better than the Mets. I don't know if I should say that though. I, I love the Reds this year, and we'll talk about that on MLB Prediction Show on Wednesday. I, I love the Reds this year, dude. I would, I what's the what are the Reds at twenty five to one? Yeah, I would t- I would do that. I would I would take the Reds this year. 
and, and you can go on uh, FanDuel too. They got win totals for the sixty-game season. If anybody's uh, curious, the the other odds, just a second for odds. The other odds that would um, two two teams that would uh, be a little curious to me at long prices. The Blue Jays at eighty-five to one, and the Padres at forty-six to one. Blue Jays at uh, thirty to one. You said or th- no, eighty-five to one. Eighty-five to one, and the Padres at at eighty-five too. No, forty-six. Forty-six. I would. Uh, yeah. No, I I love the Reds back, and of, and of course Trevor with the odds. Trevor doesn't go anywhere without his sports book. He always has those odds ready. Yes, it's always right here. Yep. Um. Yeah. So I I, I think I off the top of my head right now the Reds twenty-five to one. I would totally do. Yeah, I think the Mets, you know, I think the reason why is the Mets are maybe a little bit down is and the odds because it's a New York-based sports book, so obviously you're going to get more bets than the local teams. Right. But I think the the Indians, Reds, A's, Phillies, even the Cardinals are 26 to 1. They're higher than the Mets. I don't like the Cardinals uh, this year. I know we're we're spoiling it for our uh, for our prediction show, but I'm not high on the Cardinals this year. I'll, I'll rant about uh, them on Wednesday. But I, but I would think those teams have to be so some of those teams are at least as good as the Mets. Yeah, but the, I don't think the Cardinals are better than the Mets. The Cardinals have a very good rotation when healthy, but there's no one in that lineup now. You you lost Osuna and you're leaving Goldschmidt out to dry. I like the kid Edmund, but but Goldschmidt's got no one else in that lineup. Don't give me Matt Carpenter. He's so bad now. I don't like Matt Carpenter anymore. I used to be a big fan of his, but there's nothing in that lineup now. I agree, and we'll talk more about this on Wednesday. Obviously, we'll have the win. To- obviously, I'll have the win totals up. We'll really yeah, we'll do odds. we'll do over unders on Wednesday. Yeah, so that'll be. I'll have the uh, FanDuel uh, sports book up. Of course, always travel with his odds. Got to love that. Uh, so anyway, back to the Mets. We touched on the Grom. We did the bullpen. Yoanis Cespedes to close the to close the Mets out says he'll be a hundred percent ready for the season. And Trevor, he all I can say is all I can say to you is he better be. Mets Met fans have waited far too long for his return. He better be ready on July twenty fourth. I agree. The, the one thing I would say is I think he is ready. You just, you just don't know what he's getting. Is he, is he getting the player he was before, or are we getting post injury? I uh, think I think too many Met fans are 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 on on their high horses right now, assuming Cespedes is going to come back and carry him to the playoffs. I, I it's, I'm still questionable about Cespedes. I want to see how he comes back and how he returns. I want to see if he can uh, get to the way he was before he got hurt. I agree. It's not certain. It's not 100. percent I agree. Anything else in the Mets, my man? No, uh, the Mets and the Yankees go at it Monday and su- uh, uh, Monday and su- Saturday and Sunday, both exhibition games, one at City Field and of course one at Yankee Stadium. Um, let's go over to the Brooklyn Nets, who again begin on the thirty first against the Orlando Magic. They had their substitution player Michael Beasley test positive for COVID. He himself gets a replacement player in Lance Thomas, who was with the Knicks for four years, and before that he was with Oklahoma City and Kevin Durant and. In total, nine Brooklyn Nets have tested positive for COVID-19 in the past month. So, Trevor, if you have any thoughts, go ahead. But uh, the Nets can uh, continue to get um, struck by this COVID bug. I agree. I don't think Michael Weasley really makes that big of a difference if he was there or if he wasn't there. Right. In the end, I, I wish him the best. The one thing I would say is just in the NBA bubble, <laughs> you're getting a couple of positives in the bubble in the first couple of days. I'm not saying, you know, it's going to collapse, but I'm seeing a little, like, evil omens in the sky, like, you know. Yeah. Look, you see, you know, I'm just saying, I think it's going to collapse, but, you know, we've seen, we seen just maybe a little bit of, you know, eye catchers. Well, I was watching for, I was talking, well, I don't know if it was first take, it was ESPN this morning, and they were talking about how a lot of players have used this anonymous hotline. hotline, 
and uh, they've been calling in if players have been breaking protocols. And you know what? Good for them. Good for them, Trevor. If these guys are breaking protocols and putting other people at risk of getting sick and potentially stopping their uh, their basketball season, good for them. Call them in because that's not going to fly. I, I agree. Uh, Brooklyn Nets again, the 31st of July against the Orlando Magic. Uh, nothing really new with them besides Beasley, Trevor. Um, but let's go over to the football. We'll start with the New York Giants, and them and Leonard Williams are uh, going to play under a franchise tag and not discuss a uh, long-term deal just yet. And, of course, it's Gettleman, Trevor. This all goes back to Gettleman. Why trade a third-round pick for Leonard Williams if you weren't going to keep him around long-term? Can, can you explain to me why? I thought they were because they were almost forced to uh, have to sign a long-term deal, and they didn't. And all I say is, again, it's a mismanagement job on the free agency and, and trade and long-term deals again. Right, it's and and you same story over and over again. It, it's it's classic Gettleman, and and you said this back when we did uh the draft and schedule shows. You talked about how Gettleman hits on all his draft picks, and he can't hit in free agency and trades. It, it it's it's amazing. He he can't he can't sign a long he, he can't sign a long term contract. He can't make a trade, but he can find a Will Hernandez or a Dexter Lawrence in the draft class. It's amazing. I agree. It is. It is amazing. Now, not, now nothing as bad as Dak Prescott. That's, that's of course not. That that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. But that's a story for another time. We just focus. Right. We'll talk about extensions in a second because it relates to the New York Jets. But Williams only had twenty six tackles and eleven hits in eight games in uh, his disappointing stint with the team. And uh, so, what's next, Trevor? Can they? When can they extend them again? It's got before the season, right? I would think so. The question is, as a rebuilding team, aren't you trying to? Keep draft picks, not throw draft picks away. That's, That's what I thought. Thing. But again, dude, it's Gettleman. I don't know what to expect from Gettleman. Not, nothing he does surprises me. I, I can't be surprised anymore. Me either. It's, it, it's, it's amazing what this guy does. How, how he gives up draft picks when, he's, when he claims he's trying to rebuild and he's not rebuilding. It's like, make up your mind. Tank or don't tank. I like Leonard Williams, Trevor, but it just didn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. He's all over the place. That's the problem. That is the problem. Let's stay on the football side. Let's go to the Jets. And the other day, Trevor, we watched Miles Garrett get a massive five-year extension worth $125 million. It makes him the highest-paid defensive end in uh, in football. He's got $25 million average annual value. And the twenty also from the 2017 draft, Christian McCaffrey got his deal. He's the highest-paid running back in the league. So my question to the New York Jets What's the holdup with Jamal Adams? He's by far the best player on the New York Jets, and he wants to be paid. He, when it comes to your best player, Trevor, you don't mess around. You don't play games. When it comes to your best player, when they want to be paid, you pay him. We've talked. We haven't talked about this yet, but um, I'd love to hear what your opinions on Jamal Adams are. And I can, instead of I trading can, him, I want to pay him. I completely agree. You know, you can't play games with. Jamal Adams. Now we're dealing with the Jets, so obviously they have to play games. Of course, they play games. Well, that's not. Um, but if they can't come to a deal soon, I think he's going to be traded. If they can't come to a deal within the next couple of months. And I don't, I don't want him traded because you're not going to get the the regular value that you would if he wasn't or if he wasn't whining or complaining. Or I was going to use another word, but you can't. Yeah. Go ahead. Would you say he he would get trade value if you sign him to a long term deal and then trade him away? Wouldn't you have to pay some type of fee like the Giants did with Odell? I'm just, I'm just saying, would would you get more value with that? 
I'm sure, but it, it but actually, no, you wouldn't because then teams would recognize what you did. You you signed him to trade him. You but I, I, you, there's I, I, only I, one way to fix this, Trevor. There's one way to fix this and get the most value out of Jamal, and that's to pay him. That's I all would. there is to it. You pay him. You, you got to pay the person. He's your best player. You got to pay the person. Right. And I look back to the DeGrom signing. And you remember a couple of years, DeGrom got extended. And Brody Van Wagen, if you look where he is now, was DeGrom's agent. And he said, pay him or trade him. And the Mets opened up the wallets and they and they paid him. Because you don't mess from, around with your best player. Yeah, I remember that's coming from an owner who does not like to spend. No. And um, listen... If you want to debate who's better, the Johnson brothers or the Wilpons, that's fair. But if the Wilpons can do it, then the Johnson brothers can do it. Now, now the Mets, now the Mets old owners, they're going to be out anyway soon. So yeah, if you if you want to touch on that, it looks like Stevie Cohen's buying the Mets. But um, we said that back in February too, and look where that went. Yeah, you know, Avon's making a late charge. Yeah, I don't think A-Rod gets it. I think Stevie, Stephen Cohen, the reason I want Stevie Cohen to buy the Mets is because, one, he's super, super rich. And number two, he's a fan of the team. I think that plays a huge factor. If you, you're going to have a guy who's engaged. And I don't like yeah. when the owner's too engaged, but if he's willing to open up the wallets and spend money and make his team better, then yeah, I think he's a perfect fit for them. I agree. The one thing that I don't like from the owner's thing against the Mets is takes away from... It's a distraction for the team. It takes away from the on-field play. If I'm the players, I'm just focused on this season. I'm not worried about owners and this and that. That would be mine. Right, and I've, I've, we've seen it already. I've watched some Luis Rojas press conferences where he's been asked questions about that, and he's awkwardly had to shine away. Like, we don't worry about that down here. And that's the thing the Mets have to do. They can't worry about what's going on in the front office. They just have to and play. Luis, and Luis Rojas should not be answering questions. He should be worrying about roster. He should be answering roster spots, players, and, and he should be answering those kind right. of questions. Right. Well, that's, that's just dumb reporters. You're going you're to find those everywhere. Yes. Um, I lost my train of thought. But, uh, yeah, Jamal Adams. We both agree. Pay him. And uh, get it done. Because it's, it's no good if he's sitting on the sidelines and not playing, Trevor. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else you want to add on the Giants' chats? No, I'm good. All right, so... um. Let me vent on the Rangers. I'm not going to vent. Let me just tell what's going on with the Rangers. Brendan Lemieux still suspended for his hit back in uh, March th- on March 13th against some guy in Columbus. I already forget his name. But uh, Greg McKegg is playing left wing fourth line now, which is just great to see. And regarding the goalies, Igor Sheshikin needs to start playing. He needs to play all the games going forward. He gives the team the best chance to win. I love Henrik Lundqvist, but he needs to step aside and let the kid play. He can ride the bench. Georgiev will have to sit in the press box. It's a healthy scratch. Um, but yeah, Trevor, if you want to add anything on or, or you disagree, go ahead, whatever. No, I mean, uh, obviously the Rangers, uh, uh, you know, injury and suspension concerns. That they did draw a pony in Carolina that they, they've done well this season. So, yes. So if you take a look, here are the odds for the series. If you do Rangers, Hurricanes. Rangers are plus 112. Hurricanes are minus one thirty six, so the Hurricanes are a pretty considerable favorite. Right. Well, the um, if I if you don't mind me looking real quick, I think the Rangers are an are an eleven seed. I don't have the paper in front of me. They're an eleven or twelve seed. But yeah, you mentioned what they did against the Hurricanes. I think the Rangers are what three and zero or four and zero against the Hurricanes this year. Yeah, I think something like that. Three, four and zero. Yeah, but so to me, I love Longfist, but Georgiev needs to start going forward. They let let the kids start, and uh, if the Rangers win this year. 
I think it's great because then Henrik can step aside, free up all his money, and the Rangers can invest in some players in the offseason. As a Ranger fan, you think the Rangers wins this, win this series? Um, I'm a little biased, so I'm going to say yes. But um, they're not a dog. And you have to remember, they're, they're, it's a very young team. It's a very exciting team. But I can't put too many expectations on them. But I love my head coach going out there and saying how it's just a pickup from earlier, and they're just going to keep going on their hot ways, which um I love to hear. I love my, I love David Quinn. He's the, he he's a I, great I agree. coach. Um, and then one more thing on on the hockey, the uh the game times and the schedule came out. So for the Rangers, real quick, they're going to play on Saturday, August first, Monday, August third, and Tuesday, August fourth. Uh, the first game's at twelve, second game at twelve, and the third game at eight, and then if necessary, you have August sixth and August eighth for uh, games four and five in a best of three series qualifying round. For the Islanders, August 1st, 4th, and 5th. The first game is at 4 o'clock, and the next two are at noon. So the New York area teams drawing the short end of the stick and getting noon games, but that's because um, they're playing lower seed, lower seed games. And then, uh, well, yeah, let's touch on your Vancouver Canucks, Trevor. Late games. You're going to have to stay up and watch those games. Them and the Lakers. You're going to have two, two TVs on. Yeah, two TVs. I you know I luckily got a couple more laptops, so I'll be able to watch both at the same time. Oh, I have to, I'm gonna have them all going between the Yankees and Mets coming back, the Rangers, Islanders, and Nets, and then of course all this uh, hockey and basketball around the clock. It's gonna be a sports fan's dream, Trevor. Yeah, the one thing I would say is you know how home field advantage is very big, but there's yep. gonna be no fancy shit anymore. Here's a, here's an interesting stat. So the Bundesliga, which is the German soccer league, they finished their season. They they started before. Mm-hmm. So they played 223 games before the shutdown. The home team won 43%. But in the 56 no fan games, the home percentage win went down to 21, just to show you as a small sample size right there. Right. I don't think home field advantage will have any effect on, on these games, except for baseball because you're playing in your home stadium. But for hockey and basketball, no. It's going to be a neutral site. There's no, there's no home or away team. And uh, the best team's gonna win. It's gonna be team against team. There's gonna, there's no gonna, there's not gonna be any uh, fan intervention from either side. I agree. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to in hockey and uh, basketball coming back. Anything else you want to add on the New York area teams, Trevor? I think we touched on everything. No, the one thing I would just say is for the hockey, Islanders definitely more pressure than the Rangers. Yeah, the Islanders need to do something. They they traded for Pajot. Uh, they made the the the, the semi deep playoff run last year. And they should beat the Panthers in the qualifying round. They should. I like Florida though. I'm a I'm a big fan of Florida. They 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 got the nice young team down there, and uh, of course they got Bob Roski in the offseason, so they have their goalie. But um, that's gonna be that's that's an interesting series. And then um, Rangers of Carolina. We said I don't know. Who, I Trevor, I can't give you an answer. I really don't know who's gonna win that. I want to say Rangers. Of course, Carolina's the better team, but um, I think they have a shot. That's me you being are. biased, but. All, all I would say is as a neutral person coming into this, I think it goes to uh, the maximum game. So that's all I would say. The what game? The maximum amount of games. So it goes to five games. For uh, the Rangers or Islanders? For the Rangers series. For the Rangers. I, okay. All right. As a, as a neutral person, I think it goes. I think it's going to be a good series. I think it's pretty even as a neutral person. All right. And we got hockey predictions coming up at the end of the month. Um, yeah. And then and then the Canucks, you, you're playing against Minnesota. I told you before. That, that I think you guys can win that. Yeah, you know, we're, we're obviously favorites right now. And I would think if we just win this series, again, asking to beat one of those teams in the next round, that's a lot to ask with a young team. Right. Because they're pretty young. If we just win this series, I would call that a successful season. Right. Just get, I'm going to say it against the, for the Rangers, too. 
get a taste of what playoff hockey feels like for these young guys. That's all I can ask for. Yeah, I agree. And for the Rangers, I you can't say this with the Canucks, but for the Rangers, if Carolina, if the Rangers lose, um, and Toronto loses, they get their first round pick, or the, I mean, they have a lottery pick. But yeah. if they win, you know, they go on a playoff run. So it's it's a it's a it's a win win for the Rangers here. But of course, I want them to go on a deep playoff run. How how could you oh, not? Be a TLF team. So uh, yeah. Anything else, Trevor? Nah, I think that's it. Me and Trevor have shows coming up next week. Monday, Yankee season preview. Tuesday, Mets season preview. And the MLB t- predictions on Wednesday. We got a lot there. Um, and then, of course, baseball is coming back to 23rd. Sport, uh, be- uh, basketball and hockey the week after that. So uh, all the pieces are coming together, Trevor. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We've got a lot to do here. But um, for now, I'm Joe Morales. That's Trevor Markowski. Get me on Twitter at Joe Morales underscore. This has been the MDM Podcast.